I love it when I get to meet a new saint and learn about their lives. And just finding out another person who, like you and me, lived in this valley of tears, went through the ups and the downs, the good times and the bad, and in the midst of it all, was able to live out heroic virtue and show that it's possible to be a true, authentic disciple of Jesus Christ all the way through until death. And one of those that I met here recently and got to study a little bit about was St. Titus Bransma. He was canonized by Pope Francis back in May of 2021. He was beatified by St. John Paul II back in November of 1983. And he was a Carmelite Dutch priest who lived at the first half of the 20th century. So as World War II is ramping up, this is the time that he's kind of coming to the fore, so to speak. He was a theology professor with like a specific strength focus on the mystical tradition of the church, like the great prayer leaders, we'll say like St. Teresa of Avalon, St. John of the Cross. He was also a philosophy professor, but he had a big love of trying to go beyond just the classroom out into the wider world, and that's when he also became a journalist and was very outspoken about all of the injustices and problems with the Nazi regime, which as you can imagine eventually got him into some trouble. He was eventually arrested, thrown into the Dachau concentration camp, and about a month after his arrival on July 26, 1942, he was executed by lethal injection. And it was this part about St. Titus Bransma that I think can really catch your attention, is the nurse that did the, like she's the one who injected him with the poison for the lethal injection. She said later that she will never be able to forget the face of that kind priest who looked at me with compassion. And that's the nurse speaking. The executioner said that the one she was executing looked at me with compassion. And I just find that so fascinating that, you know, you have this saint that's able to love our Lord throughout his life, you know, to be a good person of standing up against the tidal wave of the culture, you know, the, the Nazi regime moving more and more, and it's tough to speak out against the regime. But he did it, he did it with love, he did it with joy and peace, showing forth those gifts of the Holy Spirit, those fruits of the Spirit able to be kind and loving in a concentration camp, that hell on earth, and even able to take compassion on the one executing him. It's a fascinating thing to think that that is possible. But it's interesting, when you look at the readings for today, it's not a unique thing. In fact, it's easy to just sort of like brush right by the second reading that Mark just read for us a few moments ago. The opening line is quite mysterious, and it's kind of the foundation of the Catholic principle of offer it up. I don't know if you caught this, but this is what St. Paul is saying to the Colossians, word for word, the quote. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. It's such a mystery when you think about that, that he's rejoicing in his sufferings and in my flesh and filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Both of those are mysteries, right? 
to think about our sufferings. It sounds so, sorry to use a grammatical term, oxymoronic, right? It doesn't seem to fit. How do you rejoice in sufferings? How do you bear your cross and still continue to grin, right? To rejoice in that and to fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. How does that work? I thought when Jesus died for us on the cross, like all salvation is taken care of, right? He's given us everything that we need. Well, St. Paul is telling us in Scripture here, he's making up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Okay, our Lord's laying down of his life, his perfect sacrifice for us, yes, it provides everything. But what happened at that particular time, we, by our baptism, are part of the body of Christ. By bearing our crosses, by loving our Lord, by rejoicing in our sufferings, we continue to bring about in the world the fruits of the redemption of our Lord. He lets us cooperate in his work of redemption. So you look at St. Paul, who's able to live by his life, to be this apostle of the Gentiles, to show that being Christ-like is possible. As he says, it's no longer, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. St. Titus Brandsma, much more recently, right? He died only 80 years ago this month. He shows us that it's possible to, to fill up in our flesh what is lacking the afflictions of Christ, to rejoice in our sufferings. The big question when you look at these saints who show us that it's possible is to ask the question, how? How do you do that? And I think the gospel for today kind of gives us a key. Now, I will just say this. This is one of those gospels that's just as famous as last week, right? Last week we got the parable of the Good Samaritan. This week, Martha and Mary, which many people call the most annoying of all the gospels, right? You hear it, it's like, ah, Jesus is so hard on Martha. She's doing all the work. Mary's not doing anything. Why is he so hard on her? Okay. It's a false dichotomy. It doesn't make any sense. To pit Martha and Mary against each other is not a smart place to go, especially when you consider last week's gospel. Remember the way it started. A scholar of the law stands up to test Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, how do you read the commandments? He says, love God with all you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you're right. Do that and you'll live. And he says, but who is my neighbor? And then we got the parable of the Good Samaritan. And of course, as we talked about last week, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the perfect example, the one who went down from Jerusalem to care for us, to lift us up, to redeem us, to heal us, to pour out that wine and, and oil upon our wounds, to make us better, to put us in the church. He does all these things. And remember the closing line of last week, go and do likewise. He's telling us to do stuff, right? To imitate him. So you can't look at the gospel, which by the way, this is the next thing that happens. Last week we ended at Luke 10, 37. This picks up 10, 38. Jesus goes right to Martha and Mary. So to say, well, you know, we're not supposed to do things. We just sit there. No, like that doesn't make any sense. He just said, go and do likewise. But here's the question. How do we go and do likewise? How do we imitate Christ? How do we fill up in our flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? How do you get up out there and do it? It's not just get out there and lift yourselves up by your bootstraps. Not, okay, everybody, we've got a Christian duty. Now make it happen. No. This is the problem with Martha. She has Christ right there. But she's not looking at him. 
She's looking at the burdens. She's letting the anxiety and the worry take over. Where Mary is first focused on Christ. And that is what has to happen for all of us. All of us. It's not just for priests and religious, right? It's for all of us to love Christ. His love is the motivating factor that keeps us going, that keeps us in whatever vocation we may have to keep it up and to do it without what? Without worry and anxiety. I'm going to give you a little personal story on how to make this happen, right? Actually, first I'm going to do something else. We're going to look to our saint of the day first. I'm sorry I jumped ahead of myself. This is what I want to talk about. St. Titus, right? The one who is able, in the midst of Dachau, in the midst of a concentration camp, he loved, right? He had compassion. He filled up in himself what was lacking the sufferings of Christ. This is what he taught about prayer. He said this, Prayer is life, not an oasis in the desert of life. We mustn't place in our hearts a division between God and the world. But we must look at the world always having God as the background. Prayer is life, not an oasis in the desert of life. To always know that Jesus Christ is present to us, to always cling to him, to know that he is in our midst all the time is crucial. He doesn't just say, everybody get out there to work. I'm going to go back home and have a sandwich. No, he stays with us in everything. And I had to learn that lesson even in just my time here. And now, here's where I want to tell you the story. I couldn't tell you without first telling you St. Titus's example about prayer. I remember just over four years ago when we were liberated from Father Rossi and we became a one priest parish, right? All of a sudden, you know, it, it changes a little bit. All of a sudden, I'm the one priest here. And a parishioner took me out to lunch. It was lovely. It was after a finance council meeting. And he said, I'm worried about you because there's a lot going on. You're just going to be one guy in the midst of all this. And I was like, ah, it'll be fine. We're going to be okay. Now, we do have a lot going on around here, right? Like a light weekend here is five masses. This weekend, I mean, if you include Friday, we got nine masses. Um, we've got tons of weddings and baptisms and funerals. And if you ever come on Wednesday night, you know we got a lot of confessions, right? There's all kinds of stuff going on. And I will be honest, it was kind of tough. And all of a sudden I was starting to get, I don't want to say burned out, but I remember one day, like I'm about to process in for the third mass on Sunday, which is not celebrated in my, in my native language. You know, so it takes a little bit of mental gymnastics. I'm tired, it's been tough. And all of a sudden it hits me. I get to do this. I get to be a priest. I get to go in and offer this mass in union with Jesus Christ. I get to celebrate this next baptism and bring this little guy into the body of Christ. I get to hear this next confession that I get to be with our Lord. And to remember that prayer is life, not an oasis in the desert of life. And to remember that fact that our Lord is with me in everything that I do, in every next step, and to, to be clinging to him all the time. Now, like I said, yes, I'm a priest, and it, and it helps and it applies. But folks, it's that way in all of our vocations. All of us are called to know that first and foremost, he loves us. He's present. He gives us his grace. He is there. Like we're not a bunch of robots to just get out there and do our work and that's the end of it. No. Firstly, we have to recognize he's with us and to invite him into every moment of the day, 
in our vocations, whatever they may be, to say, I get to love my children. Ready for this? I get to change this next diaper, right? I get to take the kids to school. I get to be with my grandkids, my niece, my nephew. I get to go to work and support my family. I get to go out into the world and be a disciple of Christ, even in a world that does not often recognize him. I get to do these things and I don't have to do them alone. Jesus Christ is there in the midst and Mary recognizes that and then lives that out. The trouble here for Martha is not paying attention to that first. She's not there to be a robot, right? Yes, she has work to do, and Jesus is not in any way saying, meals are bad, stop eating, hooray. No, because there's like 10 meals throughout the Gospel of Luke. He knows how to eat. He did it with a lot of people. But what we have to do first is recognize that he loves us, that he is present to us, and how do we find that out? Prayer. And as St. Titus told us, prayer is life, not an oasis in the desert of life. To keep our Lord close all the time. To talk to him throughout every day. To say, Lord, help me to remember that I get to do this part of my vocation. I get to be a part of this in this way, and you're there to give me the grace. Now, St. Titus Branson was able to do that in Dachau. To love the person putting him to death. Why? Because he was first in love with Christ and knew that Christ was in love with him. My friends, it's the incredible thing about the saints, right? We're called to be saints too. That same love that was on offer to St. Titus is the same love that's on offer to me and on offer to you. He is present. Make sure that you're present to him. Praise be Jesus Christ.